Please join with me in prayer. Father, it is our um, great privilege to gather uh, as your people and hear your word read. And um, it is my responsibility and privilege to proclaim it. Help me to uh, proclaim it clearly. Help me to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask this in his name. Amen. You know, I suppose that most of you who come or who live uh, east of the church come down Lumsden uh, on your way to church and you go by the church on the corner of Lumsden and Bryan Road and it has these pithy little sayings on the church sign. I assume you know what I'm talking about. Well, on Friday I noticed the message on the sign was, Your future direction is more important than what you left behind. And it occurred to me, I disagree with that. What if you accidentally left your child behind? You know, even if your future direction is the hospital with a medical emergency, you'd likely turn around to go get your child. When I was the associate pastor uh, at my previous church in South Carolina, we had several families with many, many children. We had two families with 11 children in that church. We had another family with seven children and several with five or six children. And uh, I was always, I guess this is what you, the the associate pastor's always the last one there, or maybe it was just a, a, a part of my personality, but I was always the last one at the church. I was always locking up. And on a few occasions, I found children who had been mistakenly left behind at the church. (laughs) Oftentimes, these large families would come in two different vehicles. Part of the family would go home with the mom. Part of the family would go home with the dad or an older brother or sister. And they would get home thinking that the other had taken this or that child home. Uh, there was a family in our in that church, uh, the Rabins. They had seven children, and their middle child of the seven was a very quiet child and pretty shy. The rest were pretty loud, and uh, poor Charles, he got left behind twice. <laughs> I was worried he'd grow up with a complex. Uh, None of these families beat the family that visited Independent Presbyterian Church when I was in Savannah as an intern. The family was passing through on vacation on their way to Florida, and um, they came to church, got in the van, headed off to Florida, went through a drive-thru, and just kept going. And they did not realize until they had crossed the Florida state line that they had left a child behind at the church. That's a hundred miles that they had gotten. And uh, Bob Bowman, the associate pastor, had met the family in the church during the service, so he knew who the child belonged to, but they were traveling to Florida. There was nothing he could do to reach them. Uh, This was the age before cell phones. Young people, if you can believe that, there was a time where we didn't have cell phones. At that time, we had beepers that we wore on our belts. Uh, But uh, he took the the child inside the church and waited for the the phone to ring with a frantic 
uh, voice on the other end. But even this family that left their child behind, went down, crossed the state line, they had nothing on Jesus' parents. Uh, Mary and Joseph traveled a full day before they realized that they had left Jesus behind. Look at verses 43 through 46. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers." Now, in Mary and Joseph's defense, verse 44 says that they were traveling in a large group. And this large group included many of their friends from Nazareth, many of their relatives who had made the trip with them. And furthermore, it was customary in those days uh, when a, a large company would travel to the religious feast that the um, ladies and children would go on ahead uh, because they would travel slower and the men would start their trip a little bit uh, later, finish up what they had to do around the house and, uh, and head out after them. And also on the way back, the, the women and children would head out. The men would stay around the town for a little bit longer and then they would head out in a separate group. Jesus was 12 at the time. He was a tweener, uh, not quite an adult. You were considered, you know, an adult at, at 13. Um, but uh, he wasn't quite there, but he wasn't a small child. So uh, Mary assumed, well, he must have stayed behind with his dad. His dad assumed, well, he's gone ahead with his mother. And so the... What would happen would be the, le- the women and children would travel ahead, the men would follow, and there would be a prearranged meeting place uh, where they would meet and spend the night together. So the men caught up with the ladies. They started looking around for Jesus. He was nowhere to be found. Uh, where's Jesus? Do you have him? No, I don't have him. I thought you had him. They had traveled a full day at this point. And you can imagine Mary's panic, um, Mary and Joseph's panic, when they realized that Jesus was missing. Uh, The angel told Mary uh, that a sword would pierce her soul. And one of the commentators wondered if this, if she thought this is, was this a sword that was going to pierce my soul? Uh, My son has been lost and we'll never find him. Uh, I don't know. That's just a commentator speculating. I remember when uh, Abby went missing while we were out camping. We yelled and we yelled. Went from campsite to be to to campsite. Couldn't find her. Um, long story short, um, we did find her, and um, we're very thankful. But we spent a um, a good half hour in sheer panic, wondering 
what had happened to our daughter. And the campsite was all along uh, woods and lakes and alligators and things like that. Um, Mary and Joseph had to travel back a whole day wondering where Jesus could be. I remember the trip over to Orlando the night that Abby was in a car accident. That was one of the longest hours of my life. Um, and yes, as Abby was in both of these stories, and we could probably pull forward a, more Abby stories. She is our accident-prone uh, child. Um, Jerusalem, during the Passover, 200,000 people came into Jerusalem to, uh, to worship. And so Jerusalem was crowded. Maybe many people had already vacated, but still, I'm sure there were a lot of crowds still there when Mary and Joseph arrived back in Jerusalem. They spent the entire day looking for him, and they finally found him in the temple. And so the scripture says he was missing for three days. The one day that they traveled, the next day that they traveled back, the next day they spent looking for him, and then they finally found him. This is the only account of the, um, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was a boy. This is the only account between his infancy and the beginning of his public ministry when he was 30 years old. Nearly all the commentators believe that Luke included this passage, included this incident about Jesus to illustrate that Jesus is truly human and at the same time the Son of God. And I think it does illustrate that point. But I heard a sermon from Terry Johnson, um, pastor at Independent Presbyterian Church, and he took a different, a completely different approach And I agree with his approach, so I wanted to give him credit. He says that Luke told this particular incident uh, to cause us to ask how Jesus had such knowledge at such a young age. Look at verses 46 and 47. After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So this is a remarkable scene. The young 12-year-old Jesus sitting among the learned teachers in Jerusalem. You know, they didn't have the learned teachers in in Nazareth. Nazareth was a a small town uh, uh, northwest of Jerusalem. And so they didn't have... um, very many learned teachers. The rabbi, they may have had one rabbi in town. But here in Jerusalem, it was like the university town where you had the, the, the religious scholars here. And so Jesus um, is sitting among them. He's not showing off. He's not correcting their theology. It says specifically he was learning from them. Verse 46 says he was listening to them. He was asking them questions. Luke bookends this passage in verse 40 by saying that Jesus grew in wisdom. And then you go down to the end of the passage, the end of the incident. And it says in verse 52 that Jesus increased in wisdom. So he grew in wisdom 
at the beginning of the passage, verse 40. He increased in wisdom, verse 52. And so it leads us to ask, how did he grow in wisdom? How did he get this wisdom that was so astonishing to the religious teachers? How did he know what questions to ask? How did he have such insight? And so, I believe Luke wants us to understand that Jesus uh, learned a great deal. Uh, Well, it says in verse 40, he grew in wisdom. Uh, Verse 52, he increased in wisdom. Now, it's tempting to think that Jesus had a divine mind inside a human body. And that that's why he was able to display such wisdom in front of the religious teachers here in verses 46 and 47. Well, first of all, this is not what Luke teaches. Um, Secondly, Jesus had a human mind in a human body. To say that Jesus had a divine mind in a human body would be heresy. Uh, It would be the heresy of Apollinarianism. And so... He was a a human child, had a a child's mind, but yet he had learned a great deal. Now, Jesus knew some things that only God would know. Uh, For instance, when he started his his, uh, public ministry, he knew what Nathaniel was doing, sitting under that fig tree at the end of John chapter 1. He knew that the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4... Uh, was living with a man with whom she was not married. These things were revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He did not have a divine mind where he knew everything because he had a human mind, but God revealed certain things to him at different points. And of course, Jesus famously did not know the time or the day when he would return. So he had a human mind and he had to learn things just like you do, just like I do. So the question before, before us is, how did Jesus learn so much at such a young age? Well, first of all, Jesus had a devout family. In verse 39, Jesus, I'm sorry, Luke is careful to tell us that Mary and Joseph presented Jesus before the Lord as the firstborn child, making sure that they performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Look at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of, I'm sorry, verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And what had happened was they had taken Jesus in accordance with the law to present him before the Lord. He was the firstborn child. So they did everything uh, according to the law of the Lord. Verse 41 also says that Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. The law said that the adult male in the home uh, was required to go to Jerusalem. But they were a devout family. Mary went with him. Jesus went with him every year. And it wasn't easy for them to travel to Jerusalem. It was a 60-mile trip that they made on foot. It was mostly uphill. When you read 
uh, Jesus going from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem, which was in the um, south of, of Jerusalem. It always says they went up to Jerusalem. They didn't think in terms of north, south, east, and west. They thought in terms of geography. Jerusalem was very much elevated above Galilee. For them to make the trip to Jerusalem, it was mostly uphill all the way, even over some rough terrain. So it wasn't easy for them to make the three- or four-day trip. On foot, most they could travel, maybe 25 miles a day. And then they would stay in Jerusalem for the whole Passover week and then make the long trip back home. Now, it looked like it was going to rain today. And doubtless many Christians and Brandon uh, will not get in their car and come to church because it looks like rain. But Mary and Joseph were a devout family. They braved the elements on foot. They came to church. They came to worship. They were a devout family. And so Jesus was raised in a devout family. Uh, If they traveled to Jerusalem every year, then it stands to reason that they attended the synagogue every every Sabbath day in Nazareth. Uh, They took Jesus to worship week by week for his 12 young years. He heard the scriptures read in the synagogue. He heard the scriptures proclaimed uh, by the rabbi. He heard the scriptures sung in the Psalms. And so he would have memorized large portions of scripture. He would have memorized many of the Psalms that uh, they would sing. His family would not have had a Bible in the home, but surely Scripture would have been recited from memory as his family gathered together for daily prayers in obedience to Deuteronomy 6. Teach the Scriptures to your children when you go out. Teach the Scriptures to your children when you come in. Teach the the Scriptures to the children when they're laying down to go to bed. Teach the Scriptures to the children when you gather around the, the, the table for dinner. And so Mary and Joseph undoubtedly were doing this. Jesus was hearing the Scriptures regularly. And He's pondering. He's thinking about the Scriptures. He's making connections between this passage and that passage. He's making personal applications. He's seeking to live obediently to it. In other words, Jesus was exposed to the regular means of grace In the synagogue, he was exposed to the regular means of grace in the home. He was exposed to the regular means of grace when he came to to Jerusalem each year to worship. Hearing the scriptures, seeing the sacrifices, hearing the rabbis teach about the meaning of the sacrifices. Parents, our Lord Jesus underscores for us our responsibility and the importance and the blessing that is yours and is the children's. When you read the Scriptures with your children, when you teach them about our holy faith, when you pray with and for them. Parents, bring your children to Sunday school as well. Read the Scriptures in the home. Bring them to Sunday school. Bring them to youth group where the the Scriptures will be reinforced by their teachers. 
Mary and Joseph were, de- were devout parents. And the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was blessed greatly as he heard the scriptures and was able to learn the scriptures at a young age. Not only did Jesus have a devout family, he was also a devout child. Uh, Jesus had no other sources with which to learn the scriptures in Nazareth other than uh, the Sunday on Sabbath and in the parents in the home. And so when he came to Jerusalem, he jumped at the chance to learn from the religious teachers at the temple in Jerusalem. He made a beeline for the temple because he was so eager to learn more about the Scripture. I remember very distinctly when I was in eighth grade. And I made my life plan when I was in eighth grade. I can remember, and the reason I know it was eighth grade, I can remember explaining to my, one of my friends, Craig, at the lunch table in, uh, in eighth grade. My, my life plan was basically uh, to wait until I graduated from college before I would get serious about God. And I would have been about 13 at the time. And I, I wanted to put off being religious until I could experience the world a little bit first. And in the years that followed, I built my life on the foundation of um, godlessness. I built um, my life and the, the, um, the laid down the planks, the foundational planks of my life without God. And my heart was hardened. I was a, a starter on a state championship football team uh, in Georgia. And I was proud. And my heart um, was becoming more and more hardened. I, you know, I'm so thankful for God's sovereign grace because there's no way my heart would have turned to God. It was so set on me. The, the, the false trinity of me, myself, and I was my God. And I'm thankful that God got me when He got me. I wish He had gotten me when I was younger. I wish He had captured my heart when I was 13. I wish He had captured my heart when I was 3. I wish that I had lived my life with God. I wish that I had been learning the Scriptures from the time I was a, a small child. But here's Jesus, zealously seeking more Bible knowledge, seeking to develop his relationship with his heavenly Father. Young people, I implore you. Young people, children, teens, three-year-olds, five-year-olds, listen to me. I implore you, seek the Lord while you are young. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Don't be foolish. Don't be rebellious. I'm talking to the children. I'm talking to the teens. I'm talking to any of you who are older than that who have not yet devoted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Devote yourself to Christ. Young people, devote your childhood to Christ. He's a good Savior who loves you. Don't reject Him. Don't push Him aside. Don't ignore Him. Trust Him and trust Him now. Trust Him wholeheartedly. 
I will admit, our Lord Jesus had an advantage that we don't have when it comes to learning. His mind was unhindered by sin. He was able to give himself to disciplined thinking without becoming easily distracted. But that's why Jesus gave us the grace of prayer. That's why our Lord Jesus came here uh, in the flesh and lived lived a perfect life uh, in our behalf. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. He became a faithful and high priest by by, uh, suffering the same temptations and weaknesses that we suffer. And so we can go to him, Lord Jesus, I have a mind that wanders. Lord Jesus, I think so much about myself when I'm reading the scriptures. Help me to think about you. Lord Jesus, help me as, um, as I open your word. God gave us the grace of prayer because he knows we're sinners. He knows we need his help. We can ask him to help us as we open up the scriptures and read his word. And he delights to help us. Now, there's a side question I bet some of you are asking. Was Jesus considered weird? Um, you know, if he's eagerly thinking about scripture... If he never sinned, if he kept God as his chief priority, then did all the other children think that he was a weirdo? I think probably some of the, the children may, may be pondering that question. Um, frankly, it appears that Jesus was a normal kid. He wasn't freakishly intelligent. He wasn't pompously pious. Verse uh, 52 says that Jesus increased in favor with God and man. Uh, so it sounds like he was very well liked. He was very genuine. He was very loving and kind. When he did start his public ministry 18 years later and he went back to Nazareth and began teaching, I think it's in um, I think it's Matthew 13, 13 or 15, I didn't put it in my notes. Uh, but anyway, when he goes back and starts teaching, they said, who is this? This This is Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, this is Jesus, the son of the carpenter. In other words, when he was growing up, the people weren't saying, oh, this child is precocious. He's going to do great things. He's just a normal kid. But he wasn't a sinner. Mary and Joseph, they found Jesus in the temple. And Mary, as you can read here in verse 48, she is none too pleased. She gives Jesus some classic mom's speech. Uh, Verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Jesus, why are you doing this to us? Is the paraphrase. Mary spoke angrily to Jesus because she was looking at him as an ordinary child, which supports the contention he was an, he was an ordinary child growing up. Uh, the 12 years that had passed since his, the, the remarkable events of his birth, um, he was not walking around performing miracles. Oh, I want a new toy, you know, making a new toy appear. No, he wasn't doing that at all. Uh, he, did, he performed no miracles until he began his earthly ministry. He was an ordinary kid, but 
not ordinary in the fact that he was without sin. Uh, Not ordinary in that he obeyed his parents the first time. Uh, Not ordinary that he loved uh, his brothers and sisters and was, was eager to share with them when they wanted to play with his toys. But Mary, in her mind, she had put his special identity on the shelf. You know, we, we chapter 1, all these remarkable things that were told and shown to Mary. But in this 12 years, he's an ordinary child. She's sure she hasn't forgotten those things, but it's not on the fore of her mind. Especially when she's upset because she's been looking for him for three days. And so Jesus has this response to her. He says, I'm paraphrasing what I think what, behind what he said. He is essentially saying, I'm not an ordinary ch- uh, person. I am your child, but I am also the unique son of God. He said that it was necessary, literally that it was binding upon him, that he be preoccupied with his father's business. Now, I have a small quibble with the ESV. They say in verse, um, I think it's 48. No, verse 49. He said to them, why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? The word oikos uh, for house is not there. It's I must be about my father's things. In other words, I must be about my father's business. And so... Um, he's literally saying it is binding that I be about my father's things. In other words, he'd be sinning if he were not preoccupied with his father's business. Jesus was self-aware that he was the son of God. I don't know if the father revealed this to him by the Holy Spirit. I I assume his mother and father had told him from a young age about uh, his birth and the circumstances of his birth, and what the angel had said about who he was. Uh, But he is aware that he's the Son of God. He very personally says in verse 49, I must be about my Father's business. Throughout the entire Old Testament, no one addresses God the Father as my Father. They'll talk about God be Israel's Father, But no one says, God is my father, until Jesus says it. The very first words that we hear from the lips of Jesus, in terms of readers, the very first words that we read, uh, him saying, I must, it is necessary that I be in my father's business or about my father's business. He was self-aware that he was the son of God, even if his mother and father had temporarily forgotten. All this to say, uh, we are not sinners. I'm sorry, we... Scratch that. Scratch that completely. We are not sinless. Far from it. But that's why Jesus um, did his father's will. That's why our Lord Jesus took on human flesh when he came here to earth. It was his father's business that he was to go to the cross and redeem us by paying for our sins with his blood. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. But even though we are sinners, we are still members in God's household as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus says it is necessary that he be about his father's business. It is necessary that we be about our father's business. Are you seeking to be about your father's business? Are you seeking to devote yourself to God? Speaking to the teens, I'm speaking to the children, I'm speaking to everybody. Are you seeking to devote yourself to be about your father's business? Or are there other distractions? Are there other things that are more important in your life that are keeping you from being about the Father's business, from serving Him, putting Him and His kingdom first? Matthew six thirty three. Are you zealous to study God's Word? Are you zealous to grow in your relationship with your Heavenly Father? The Lord Jesus Christ was about His Father's business so that He could save us and bring us into into His Father's family. Look to Him. Love Him. Devote yourself to Him. Be about His business by the power of His Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You that, um, that You loved us that you continue to love us, that you came here to earth to be about your Father's business. Father, I pray that as we are children of God, that you would help us to be about your business, to keep you and your kingdom first. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn.